As creators, there are so many things that we have to learn to be successful in this industry, from managing our content and our audience to our personal life and mental health. In Coached, a sub-series of Social Scoop podcasts by SocialMate, we work one-on-one with a member of our private creator coaching community, The Social Suite, and you get to be a fly on the wall during our call. I'm Kristen Busquette, I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Let's dive right in. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen Busquette, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here Today, you are listening to Coach, a series where we let you be a fly on the wall during a one-on-one coaching call with a member of our private creator community, Social Suite. Today, I'm here with Alyssa Davis. She's a creator who empowers women with self-compassion and body confidence content. If you're interested in getting your free one-on-one podcast coaching call, you can become a member of our private membership community, The Social Suite. Without further ado, let's get into it. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. I feel like we've been following each other for like a really long time now. Yeah, honestly, true. (laughs) And this is like the first time we're actually meeting like, quote, face to face. Is it not, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I love that. I love that. And you're in North Carolina as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, sweet. So for anyone who doesn't know um, about you kind of other than just the surface level of what I've given them so far... Let's hear a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm really into radical self-compassion. I really enjoy curiosity, asking questions, having conversations like this. And I'm also a signed model, which is pretty cool because I have some experience of what it's like to be in front of the camera, but not in the same way that you do. And so I'm excited to learn more about that side of things. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I know like a huge part of your content is you kind of like showing that aspect of like the modeling industry, talking about mental health, body confidence, all of that, which I love. I think we need more of. And I'm glad that more people are starting to get like more comfortable with talking about these maybe like topics that are like a little taboo or like a little scary for people to talk about. So Mm -hmm. I uh, applaud you for putting yourself out there and talking about things that are difficult sometimes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like you mentioned, I do have a mental health diagnosis of PTSD, which is one of the things that kind of plays into our conversation today, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I want to kind of uh, go over the things that we're going to talk about in this episode today. Um, Two things that you mentioned that actually kind of go together, so we'll probably mush them together, monetizing while keeping your audience engaged, but then also finding those brands that align with your values. Um, So finding the brands and then basically like creating this content that's going to actually make your audience stop and look at it and then really care about what you have to say. So I would like to kind of start off by hearing a little bit about your background on working with brands. What has that looked like for you? What are the brands that maybe you've worked with in the past or how have you found them? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So primarily the brands that I've worked with have pitched to me. I've done a couple of, um, you know, like commission-based things with like collective laboratories. I recently did a sponsored post with Glamorize, which was fantastic. That was the highest paying one I've gotten so far. And so I was excited about that. Yeah. But mostly it's been commission-based so far. 
which okay. is not the framework I would like to move forward with. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would probably agree. The thing with affiliate partnerships or commission-based partnerships is you only have so much control over that. I think it's a really important thing to know. I know this is kind of off topic, but it's important when we're thinking about like affiliate partnerships. Creators, our job is to create the content and get people to look at it. But past that, there's a lot that's out of our hands. We're not necessarily the salespeople. So when someone sees our sponsored posts where we're only getting paid on a commission basis and then they go to the website and the website for this brand is like a hot mess and it's very <laughs> difficult for us to navigate, the checkout process sucks, shipping super expensive, then they don't purchase. We make $0, even though we got people to the website, which is our job. So I have a problem with affiliate partnerships for that exact reason. I think if you are going to take on affiliate partnerships, it's, imp- it's important for you to actually like get really close to the end of that checkout process, if not go through the whole checkout process so that you can make sure like this is actually what you need it to be for people to actually go through and purchase. So that's a Mm -hmm. side note. But um, when it comes to finding brands to work with, so the brands that you've worked with before have come to you. um, And then have you sent any pitches out? I haven't. I have used okay. Aspire before a bit. Um, and so the extent of the pitching was just, hey, here's my Instagram. Here's my email. Yeah. Do you want to collab, basically? Okay, that's fine. Hey, and you know, the thing about pitching is like, I work with a lot of creators who are like, oh, yeah, I pitch all the time. And like, I still haven't gotten anything. So it's good to hear that, like, you haven't actually had to put any work into this yet, <laughs> that you know, like, you're not wasting your time, basically. So I'll give you, first of all, kind of the the options for finding brands. And then we can kind of talk about how to um, like approach them, create the content. We'll go through the whole process. So um, first things first, I think when it comes to finding brands that you align with, this is why getting to know the people behind the brand is so important. So if you've ever heard me talk about the anti-pitch method, a big part of the anti-pitch method is really creating relationships with brands so that you know these people, like you know who that brand is inside and out, and it's extremely comfortable for you. Um, and you align with them very well, you know, because you've been able to have these conversations and ask questions. A lot of times we can go onto a brand's website and it might say certain things or be vague about certain things, but we don't exactly know where they stand, maybe. And for someone who, like you, has very specific you know, places that you stand on certain things, of course, that's very important for you to align there. So I, in this situation, really, really love going on intro calls with brands. So if you ever have a brand that you have at home or you see in the stores or you see online and you think, wow, maybe this would be a brand I would like to work with. I always, first of all, try and introduce myself, not in a pitch, but in a way that is going to say, hey, I just want to learn a little bit more about you and what you guys are doing. And Mm -hmm. in that call, it's a really great way, again, for you to have the opportunity to ask questions, especially like if you are going to get to the point where you're going to get paid. We want to make sure that, again, you align very well. So on those calls, I might ask them things like, what kind of creators are you guys looking to work with? Or what are your current goals? And then I can look at those goals and say, realistically, can I help with those goals? Is that something I'm comfortable with? Because the idea for this partnership is that it, you want it to be 50-50. Like you want to get paid, but you also want them to get the results, obviously, so that they want to work with you more and more. So mm-hmm. that's kind of 
one thing uh, to do once you have the brands that you actually want to work with. But I guess finding the brands too might be an issue, like actually brainstorming which brands you might want to work with. It seems like there are so many brands, but sometimes it's like, dang, like, I don't know, like, (laughs) you're almost overwhelmed. So do you have like, a list of brands at this point that you want to work with, or you're kind of getting stuck there? Well, one of my biggest dreams for 2023 was to work with Aerie, actually, with their Be Real campaign. Okay, that's a great Mm -hmm. idea. Yeah, so I mean, Aerie would be, uh, again, I think, from what I know on a base level about Aerie, a really great partner for you based on what you talk about and and your mission. So in that case, that's where I kind of hop right to that intro call and, and find a way to find someone at that brand and and maybe on LinkedIn or maybe on Twitter, find someone who works in the marketing department of that brand and initiate a connection with them where you're not immediately selling yourself like in a pitch email. And that's when I was saying before, a lot of the times people spend so much time and, and energy on pitches and they get nothing back. You're trying to sell yourself to someone who has literally no idea who you are or anything about you. So it's a lot easier for you to introduce yourself, ask to get on an intro call, get to know that person like face to face. And then at that point, they understand more about you and your mission. It's much easier for you to ask to get paid at that point. But also, again, you've got the information that you need as well. So intro calls are probably my favorite thing. The thing about intro calls, though, is you will get on a lot of them and they will not always amount to a partnership, at least not immediately. This is something Mm -hmm. that I definitely think you have to be kind of in it for the long haul because a lot of brands might not have a perfect campaign for you at that exact moment. So patience is (laughs) a very big part of this. I know that's very difficult for most people, myself included, but that's definitely um, something to kind of expect there. So one thing I can also kind of say based on the idea of like, let's find these brands to work with. When you think about something like Aerie, so you might get on this intro call with Aerie and then it might not go anywhere, at least not again immediately. So then, you know, like you can't just sit around and and wait. We want to like get ourselves out there even more. So I might look for what are like similar brands to Aerie that I maybe already know and love or that I am interested in, like, again, learning more about and discovering. Um, and there are a lot of ways that you can do this. I mean, if you go to Aries Instagram and you hit like that similar accounts area, you can see like maybe some inspo there, or mm-hmm. um, maybe you look on um, like Pinterest and you see what kind of ads are getting served to you. Like there might be a lot of other fashion brands that might be kind of like a similar vibe to Aerie or even non-fashion brands um, that might be interested in working with you because they're targeting you. They probably also want access to your audience if your audience is similar to you at all. So those are like a couple of my favorite places to look. Also, I know you're active on, on LinkedIn too. Like LinkedIn is a really great place to find new brands to work with. A lot of the times if you go in and connect with, you know, Aerie or people that work at Aerie, you're going to get like things popping up on your newsfeed from other things that people are commenting on. And if if you're following people who, again, work at Aerie, you'll see maybe what they're commenting on. Maybe it is something that's a little bit similar or Again, maybe not a direct competitor, but it might be something that's like maybe they've worked together at Aerie or maybe it is something that like has the same mission as Aerie. So mm-hmm. and LinkedIn can be a really great place for that too. Have you kind of like been able to like 
utilize any of those platforms, I guess, to get any like ideas um, thus far on like other brands that might be interesting? I think I like your idea of going on Pinterest and looking at the ads that are being served. I love the idea of being more active on LinkedIn, but I'm not really sure what kind of content to create. Do you have any suggestions there? Yeah, that's I mean, that's a great question. A lot of people that I talk to are like hearing the buzz about LinkedIn, but they're like, I just (laughs) what do you want me to say there? Like, I already talk about things on all the other platforms. So LinkedIn, I treat super similar to like Instagram captions. Um, LinkedIn, what's really cool is that you really don't need to be very active with creating original like posts on there. You can Mm -hmm. maybe do one a week or two a week and the shelf life of a LinkedIn post actually like is, is pretty good if people are commenting on it. Like a lot of the times I'll see things on my LinkedIn feed from like two weeks ago or a week ago. So don't feel the need to like think of something every single day to post on LinkedIn. You really just don't need to, but Think about your 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 niche and who you're trying to attract in terms of brands. It's a great place for you to connect with brands. So if you are trying to attract brands that have the same mission, talking about your mission frequently on LinkedIn is going to be a really great option. So, you know, like you might share um, a post of yours that has a caption about body positivity or you might share um, like a video or maybe like some other things that you came across or an article that you came across that's about, you know, like self-compassion on the internet or whatever it might be. But it's almost like a little, kind of like a little journal, you know? So sometimes I'll use it if I am going through and answering people's questions and I get a couple times the same question, I'll be like, wow, this is like, I didn't know like people were this interested in it. And I might make a post about it, basically saying what I'm already going to say to the people that I'm answering. So frequently asked questions going on there, Um, anything that's related to like your mission um, or opinions. Opinions are really great for LinkedIn because then people love to come back on (laughs) and and debate them or maybe not debate them and and just say that, wow, I really agree with you or, you know, whatever they have to say about them. But don't overthink LinkedIn. Just I think it's like a good place to just share your thoughts, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, LinkedIn is going to be probably one of my most utilized social media platforms this year it's crazy because like I never looked at LinkedIn as like something I really cared about because I was like I'm not necessarily looking for a job right now why (laughs) do I need to have a LinkedIn but it is a really great way um, to connect especially with uh, brands that you might want to work with so Aside from that, um, let's kind of talk about this aspect of like monetizing while keeping your audience engaged. So I want to hear a little bit more about that, uh, like exact uh, process of like you sharing a piece of content and maybe feeling like your audience isn't engaged. So I guess two questions. What are some ways that you have monetized that you feel like maybe isn't getting like the love that it deserves and why are you feeling like the audience isn't engaged like what makes you feel like it's it's not working if it's an experience you've had yeah so i think it's definitely a struggle to create this type of content um i feel like i've built a lot of trust with my audience and i don't want to lose that trust or right. um i understand that we still have to put like the hashtag ad there yes. which is 
good on the one hand because we're disclosing and so that people understand it. Um, I felt actually like my Glamorize campaign went really well. So maybe there are some things there that we could replicate or, you know, take some notes from for future Alyssa posts. Um, (laughs) I basically looked at it as if it was a modeling shoot and so tried to use the same types of tools and techniques that I usually use in my regular posts for this one. So I rented out a studio. I um, got in the outfits, just took some photos that really felt like me, really happy, smiley, really playing up that airy type of vibe. Yeah. Um, And for the video, I made it all about behind the scenes and um, what I loved about the brand. Um, That is sometimes where I get stuck. I feel like the tone shifts a little bit for me because I'm not used to talking about brands in my everyday content. Um, Yeah. I don't really consider myself an influencer. I consider myself more of like a content creator. And so incorporating products and things into my content isn't something I typically do. Yeah. I mean, and that makes a lot of sense if you are someone who, you know, mostly just talks about like your experiences or or tips that you have. It's difficult to get on and like be a salesperson or again, be a marketer. Um, So I understand that struggle 100%. This is where I think it's very important, first of all, going back to what we just talked about, that you are working with brands that are going to very seamlessly fit into your content. For me, like I talk obviously a lot about social media, about content creator tools, about, you know, photo and video. But if I were to kind of like come out of left field and talk about something that I could never relate back to that that's when it feels weird. So it has to feel good for you. When you are finding brands to work with and and you're deciding on like, how am I going to create a piece of content that doesn't feel weird for my audience for this brand? I think it's very important for you to try and figure out how can I take my niche and their product and, and put them together in a way that makes sense. Um, so for example, like I've previously worked with like wine companies. Wine is very obviously not immediately related to social media. But the way that I connected the two was, all right, we're content creators, we are working probably this job plus our full time job, we are tired at the end of the day, all you want to do is like get home, sit with a book and like a nice glass of wine, right. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I like mesh these together. So when you are finding these brands, figuring out the messaging of how you're going to relate it to your audience and relate it to your mission. That's the hardest part. Um, you know, so like, for example, Aerie, I think would be a super easy brand for you to do this with because they have the exact same mission as you. Like, it's very similar. You're always modeling clothes. Like, you know, this is a a very easy thing, but is there any, like, let's kind of think of an example of like, maybe a company that you might want to work with. That's like, maybe a little out of left field? Like, is there anything that you've thought about that you're like, "Mm, I don't really know how I would put that into my typical content? Um, I guess food or drinks, something like that, that could be a good tie-in. When I talk about, I've spoken before about my history of like disordered eating and talking about how we have no guilt or shame around food. We can enjoy these things without that shame. Yeah. So I mean, like that, I mean, that right there could literally tie it together. So you're using like your personal experience and telling a personal story in a way that can relate your niche with, again, like food or whatever this other, uh, 
you know, concept is. So, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head with that one. That's perfect. Um, so aside from that, like if we can find ways to make the messaging work when it comes to actually getting the audience engaged, sponsored posts, first of all, are very difficult to do this on in comparison to regular posts, because for some reason, forever, for the last billion years, the Instagram has been, uh, you know, since inception that we've been doing sponsored posts. Every time someone posts an ad, we automatically have a feeling about it that we're like, mm, like, and this is just the way that there's been, there's been so many sketchy influencers that very clearly post about things that they don't actually like. And so we've lost mm-hmm. trust in creators just a little bit, some of them more than others, but it's very difficult for someone to look at an ad and not ask questions. So when you are creating a piece of sponsored content, I always try and relate it to like exactly why my audience might need it. Or if it were, for example, a food brand, like why is this relevant to your audience? What value can they get out of it? And then also like a almost like a slow intro could be another kind of strategy here. If, for example, it was like a food company that you wanted to talk about, instead of just one day like having a sponsored post with them out of nowhere, maybe you're almost teasing it on stories for a little while. Like maybe if it, I don't know why the first thing that came to my mind was like a tortilla brand. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I love that. <laughs> want tacos tonight. I don't know. Um, so if, if it were a tortilla brand, for example, like how are you going to make that work? So the idea would be let's make tacos with it and post it on stories about our tacos and, you know, say, yeah, I just tried these. Uh, if it's your first time trying the tortillas, try these and really like them, whatever, maybe you tag them, but now your audience has seen them once. And so then maybe the next week you're like, man, those tacos last week were so good. I've got to eat them again. (laughs) Like, have you guys tried these tacos yet? And you kind of like soft launch them. So then when it's time for like the sponsored posts about the the tortilla wraps, people already know you love them. So it doesn't feel so out of left field, you know, like you're almost Mm -hmm. just soft launching it. Um, Does that feel like it could be a little bit like more comfortable, I guess? Yeah, I think that feels really good. I kind of unintentionally did that with the Glamorize post because I posted a few things in the bras before my sponsored post and people were asking like, where did you get that? It's so cute. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really great point too, because now you're building excitement too. So like, especially if you're not sharing like all the details, maybe you're saying things like, oh man, I just tried this like new bra brand and and you guys are going to love it. Like, I can't wait to share it with you. Now we're just like, okay, what? Like, they're so cute. Tell us what it is. You know, we're excited. And so it almost can help your sponsored post too. And if, if your audience being engaged with the content is something that you're nervous about, getting them excited leading up to the post is a really, really great way to like, when it finally comes out, they're like, oh, we've been waiting for this. Like, this is so exciting. Um, and one other thing that that kind of touches on as well is almost bringing people along the process a little bit. So you could have even maybe um, when you are picking stuff off of the website, maybe you could have shown like a, a little screen recording of, of the website and said like, oh, I'm like going to be shooting with this company. Like, which one should I choose? And then when they mm-hmm. get to see the pictures at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, like I voted for that one. That's so exciting that she picked this one. 
and it again like lets people feel like they've gone through the process with you so that when that post does come out they're excited like they were part of that creative direction you know um mm-hmm. so it, it makes them want to comment on it and like it and whatever um so those are definitely some some things that you can do to get people a little bit more engaged how do you feel about them yeah, I feel good about that. I think another thing I want to incorporate is just um, having a period of time to actually test the product yeah. before posting about it. Because one of the ones that I felt like wasn't very aligned after I used the product for about six months, I was like a lot more excited about using it. And I could yeah. tell that it actually had real results. But I had no way of knowing that after one use. And so then when yeah. I posted it, it felt inauthentic. Yeah. And I mean, literally creators do that every single day. And and it sucks because again, that's where we start to like lose trust from people. And the second you lose mm-hmm. trust from your audience, like you don't have much to, to stand on, you know? So that kind of goes back to like those intro calls, you know, when you're on an intro call and you're talking to this brand about the product, maybe say like, Hey, do you have like a, a few samples you can send over? Like, I'd really love to try it out when you have absolutely nothing like booked in the works with them asking them at that point really does allow you that time to really try it out. But it also allows you an in after so you can say in three weeks or four weeks after you've had time to test the product, send them a message and say, Oh my gosh, like this is what what's happened. This is how my experience has been. I've really loved this. Like I'd really love to work with you guys more. And then you can kind of like talk about, you know, an actual partnership. But that's such a more authentic experience for you, but also for the brand, they want to work with people who actually have personal stories to tell about the products, you know, that's Mm -hmm. going to be way better for sales when someone can say like, this is my whole experience and how it, you know, what I came out looking like or feeling like at the end, you know, why would you not want to try this? I can tell you my personal experience. So I think that's um, a really great point that you bring up is, is really like having the time to test it out. Yes, it's more of like a a time period that you have to wait to get paid, but it's like a more of a a sure shot that you are going to be able to land a partnership with that brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely takes guts to stand to a brand and say like, I want to test it for this amount of time before I do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think most brands would definitely appreciate that. Like they work with too many people that just like, you know, are very clearly in it for the money. And so it's like a breath of fresh air when you meet someone that's not immediately like, Hey, you want to pay me? Like, this is how we should work together. Like, and maybe they're like, Oh, cool. Have you ever tried the brand? And you're like, no, (laughs) like, what are they, what can they do with that? So, um, yeah, all good things. I I think we kind of like brainstormed a lot of good options there. So, um, one other thing that I want to talk about, um, as well, dealing with creator burnout, also kind of weaved in with um, like mental illness. So can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that and like where you're struggling? Yeah. So one of my fears has been that I will sign on to do a brand partnership and this has happened before. And then when it's coming time to post, I was in a depressive episode and I just wasn't able to make it happen, Um, which luckily the brand was really kind and generous about it and allowed me to post the next week. But Um, I was listening to some of your resources in the membership area, and I realized that you said that two weeks, I believe, was a rush job. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I think I just need to build in more buffer time because a lot of brands I've been working with have wanted to turn around time even quicker than that, like sometimes three days. Yeah. 
That's and a that crazy. sometimes with no product, you know, if it's like a service instead. Right. And yeah. And it can feel like a lot. Yeah. And that's something that, again, I think a lot of creators maybe aren't aware of is that that two weeks is really industry standard because especially if there's a product involved, you've got to get it shipped over to you. You've got to like get your props if you need props, like you've got to rent the studio. Like there's a lot of things that you have to do, not to mention actually shooting the content, editing the content, getting it into a schedule because maybe you already have things that are planned that's a process that typically takes more than three days, right? So yeah. um, anytime that I am dealing with a brand that is asking for anything less than two weeks, I will tell them two weeks is is my standard. I do need that much time in order to produce the best quality content. You know, like if you want my best, you got to give me the two weeks. And most brands are very understanding and, and flexible when it comes to that. Again, it is industry standard. So the brands who are asking for something in less than two weeks, maybe just don't know that. So there's nothing wrong with explaining that process to them. Um, but I think in your case where, you know, you were in the situation where you like couldn't show up to post, I think, again, if you're working with brands who very much align with your mission and, you know, like they understand the whole idea of, of what you're going through and what you talk about, I don't think that they're going to have a problem with this, especially like this is like kind of weird to say, I guess, weird to think about. But like, especially since the pandemic, I think mental illness has been something that has been so much more widely spoken about. And people are so much more understanding because so many more people have gone through it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's less uh, of a problem, I guess, for you know, people now, because more people just really understand it and are, are open to talking about it too. You know, it, it's people like you, when you're talking about it, you're educating more people to understand that like, it is actually impossible to show up sometimes. Um, so I think that that is something that I wouldn't get, obviously it's easier said than done, but I wouldn't get <laughs> really scared about like, if you need to explain to the brand, Hey, this is what's going on. Can I just post it next week? 99% of the time they're going to say, that's totally fine. Um, I know for me that happened to me actually last year, I mm. had this like bout of migraines and I was literally out of commission for like two weeks. And, um, I had two sponsored posts going live and I had to email both of them and say, Hey, like, this is what's going on. And, and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, like take all the time you need. Don't worry. It's like, it's going to be fine. You know, that people are very understanding. Um, so that's, Again, as long as you're aligning with the right brands, I think it will be fine. Um, if you ever were in a situation where maybe the brand was like, no, we really need you to post today, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. again, I don't think that will happen very often. Um, I, but I'm sure there are brands who are not so understanding. Um, and in that situation, you kind of just have to make the decision like, can I? drag myself out to do this. Um, maybe you make sure things are planned a little bit further in advance so that all you have to do is kind of hit post and like call it a day. Um, that that's an option. Or maybe you say, okay, well, like I really can't. So you guys are SOL and <laughs> you just kind of have to deal with the consequences later, um, which might make you feel honestly even worse. So I think kind of having either approaching the brand, giving them the situation, that'll probably be the answer right there. Um, but also as a backup, I would say making sure content is like maybe prepped and ready to go 
probably will make it easier for you if you were in a situation where the brand was not understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. So um, I also was going to ask when it comes to burnout, um, is it mainly just kind of that that aspect of like, if I am going through something and can't show up or is the burnout also just kind of like, your daily tasks or like burnout of from actually creating? Sometimes. Uh, I know this week in particular, I have a video that's going viral and I'm sure you know what happens when your video goes viral on Instagram. (laughs) All the trolls come out. (laughs) All the trolls come out. And it's definitely hard for me not to take some of the things that they say to heart and internalize it. Yeah. And again, I think that makes complete sense. It's it's really crazy how creators get so much hate and are able to just like deal with it. Like that's really crazy. Imagine being like in a room with people who are saying things like to, that to you. Like most people would not be able to just get over that, you know? So I think mm-hmm. it makes complete sense that you're, you have a hard time just like pushing that to the side because most people I think would. (laughs) Um, It's, it's hard, especially when you're an artist, you know, like you've worked so hard on something. And this is what happens, you know, like, but the thing to remember, and and I think this just comes with time. And, and, you know, like, the more you you grow the confidence to kind of like deal with it, I guess it's, you just kind of learn to cope and like find ways to you know, switch the narrative and and find the positives, not to say that it's not going to still affect you in some way, but I think just over time, it like lessens a little bit each time. And then before you know it, you know, maybe you're just like, whatever, who cares about these people? Um, But I think for some people, that's going to take a lot more time than others. Like I know, you know, thankfully, I don't have a lot of videos going viral. And I'm literally (laughs) totally fine with it for that exact reason. So I don't, I don't deal with a lot of trolls and especially like the topics that I'm talking about. There's not really a lot that people can like say to me. Um, but I know, you know, with things that you talk about, like body confidence and, and, you know, female empowerment and things like that, like plenty of trolls have things to say. I, in those situations, just say like, however you can think about the things that like make you excited about this job and make you love this job and make you remember why you're doing it. You have to like drill that into your brain in those moments where you're seeing all of the negativity. Cause it's very easy at those points to just say, Oh, I'm done here. Like I'm getting off and I'm going to leave for a month and, and not come back for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. and you let the people get to you. But it, it's real. like, I try and just spend as much time as possible. Like okay, well, look at all the positive comments or like, look at all the messages that I get in my DMs every day. I literally actually have screenshots that people send me saved in a folder on my phone. And like, anytime anyone has anything to say to me or anytime that maybe someone isn't saying anything to me, but I just am having a bad day or feeling very discouraged with my engagement or anything like that, I'll go look at that folder and be like, okay, like people, people really find me valuable. Like I'm good. Um, and it takes that positivity to kind of like drag me out sometimes. So like that might even be something to think about. I'm sure you get a lot of positive messages too. Yeah, absolutely. I have a Google drive folder as well with screenshots of kind things that people have said. I love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's the best thing that you can do is just like, how can I 
flip the script, think about the positives and not to say again that it's not going to bother you. It's very valid that it does. That makes sense. But you just have to like find the ways that you can let it bother you less and less each time. There's like, I wish there were better advice there. It's like, because the trolls are never going to stop. Unfortunately, you know, you delete Mm -hmm. the comments. Okay. But on the next video, there might be more. So little baby steps, 1% better every video, 1% better every video. And before you know it, you know, like you, maybe it doesn't affect you as much, I guess. Mm -hmm. Cool. So um, I hope this was helpful. I hope you're feeling a little bit better about um, finding these brands that maybe you can connect with about actually you know, getting to know them more, finding ways to weave them into your content that feels organic, that your audience will be excited about, not sketched out about. (laughs) Um, And then also dealing with all of the fun, like negative sides of of social media, I guess, Um, because unfortunately, there are plenty of them. How do you feel? I'm feeling good. I appreciate your time. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And for anyone listening, if you guys are interested in getting your free one-on-one podcast coaching call, all you have to do is join us in our private creator community, The Social Suite, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.